again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My name is Brian DiNovellis. Hey, if you like what you hear on our podcast, please subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple or give us a follow and tell your friends all about it. What a show we have for you today. It is February 1st. It is time to turn the calendar. And that can only mean hope for Seton Hall as they try to put the January swoon behind them and try to pick things up, beginning with tonight's matchup against Georgetown. We'll see if Seton Hall can turn their fortunes around. UConn has won five in a row. The Huskies have a rare home game. It seems like many of their games recently have been on the road. They will host Creighton in a key Big East Conference showdown. The biggest matchup of the night, St. John's. We don't know what to make of this team. They're hosting Providence at Carnesecca Arena. This is a team that was dead to right, desperate for a win against Seton Hall, turned out their best performance of the year. They were defensive-minded. They were offensive-minded. They brought you 40 minutes of hell. Where had that been? But the Red Storm couldn't ride that momentum into the pavilion on Saturday as they lost to Villanova 73-62. The Wildcats shot them out of the gym and shut down Julian Champagny once again. So can St. John's get back on the winning track against Providence? And let's not forget, Rutgers has one more game that they need to win on the road against a very tough Northwestern team that knocked off Michigan State. It won't be easy, but trust me, the schedule is going to get a whole lot more difficult after this Northwestern game. So we'll see if Steve Peichel's crew can come up with their third road win of the season at Northwestern. All right, it's my pleasure now to welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, a man who's been around college basketball for nearly 50 years as a player at Fairleigh Dickinson University, as a coach at places like Long Beach State, South Florida, Virginia Tech, and most recently as a college basketball analyst at ESPN. Seth Greenberg, thanks for coming on, Coach. How are you? Doing great, Brad. How are you doing? Doing very well. February's here and, and we're really only one month away from March and so much, uh, you know, happening and some really exciting teams out there. Let's start in the Big East, Coach. What do you make of the conference this year? Right now they have five teams ranked, Villanova, Providence, UConn, Marquette, Xavier. I think it stacks up there top to bottom as well as any team in the country, but yet the analytics seem to think they're maybe third or fourth. Yeah, I'd say they're probably third. I think the SEC and the Big 12 are ahead of them. Uh, but I think after that, I think the Big East is as good as any country, uh, league in the country. And I think, they, look, they can compete with those leagues. I mean, you're talking about the top five teams in the league. Uh, the job that Shaka Smart's done at Marquette's been absolutely phenomenal. His ability to impose his will, his identity, his culture on the program. Uh, I look at Marquette and I look at VCU in a similar way. And what I mean by that is uh, – you know, they fit Shaka Smart. He's going to go and he's going to recruit hard, tough-playing guys that uh, want to buy in, that aren't spoiled, that are going to believe in his vision. And uh, that's exactly what he's done. Obviously, Lewis is terrific. Marcel's been a perfect fit. And Kolek yeah. has been phenomenal. So, I mean, you look there and then, uh, you know, you look at Xavier. And, you know, Xavier's, you know, Fremantle is healthy again. Nunji has been a huge addition. Suggs is obviously coming back. 
you know, playing with a greater sense of purpose, I guess, is, is, is the right way to put it. Uh, you know, they're shooting the ball better. They're taking better care of the basketball. I thought that was a big win the other day against Creighton when they came back in that game. Oh, no, Villanova's sure. Villanova. Yeah, Villanova's Villanova. You know, the least talented Villanova team we've had in a while. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, but great leadership from Gillespie. Obviously, Moore has been a tough matchup. Caleb Daniels seems like he's starting to get his his game back a little bit, and they're getting more production out of Dixon, which is is really really important. So. You know, Villanova's Villanova. And then, you know, the UConn, I think I think UConn potentially is the best team in the conference. Uh, I just I look agree. at their depth. I look at their depth. Uh, RJ's playing at a high level. Andre Jackson can play as a facilitator to get RJ off the ball, which I think is really important. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, Whaley does what he does. He doesn't do anything he can't do, which is, you know, quite honestly, that important. Tyrese, to me, is... Martin is just a, a fierce, fierce competitor. And, you know, when you take the, the games that Sonogo and Martin didn't play out, how good would this Connecticut team be? And, they, and they've taken on Danny's personality. and uh, They run good offense, although, you know, they don't always make shots. Sonogo is a matchup problem, and they defend you every inch of the floor. So the league is really good. And Seton Hall's going to be good, Brian. Let's face it. I mean, like, I, I got this stat the other day without Bryce Aiken. This is like a crazy thing. They're shooting like 33% from the field at 52 turnovers and, and like, you know, 20 assists. I mean, like Bryce Aiken is a big part of what they do. As good as Roden is, as good as, uh, you know, Kale and his experience, Yetna has done well. And, you know, they, they you know, Samuel, who's now back healthy, but the guy that brings it all together, the guy that makes him go is not Kadari Richmond because he can't shoot it. Uh, you know, they just don't shoot the ball well. You take Bryce Aiken off of that roster, they just don't shoot it. So I, I'm still I'm still high on I'm I'm still high on Seton Hall. Okay, coach, then then let's let's begin there. Let's get to UConn next. Seton Hall. The the thing about Aiken, I agree with you 100 percent Jared Roden is supposed to be the face of this team, right? The next go-to guy in the lineage of Miles Powell and Sandro Mamukelashvili. He was the guy, but yet Maybe it's not his personality, whatever it is. Bryce Aiken, healthy this year, up until recently, became that guy, became that shot maker, became the guy that wanted the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Now, as you said, you take him away. He has a concussion. And coach, honestly, we don't know when he's coming back. And, and clearly, Kaderi Richmond isn't the answer at point guard. So uh, how much does this team need Bryce Aiken to win in February? Didn't you just answer the question? Uh, I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I yeah, was interviewing you. I thought you were interviewing me. Uh, look, <laughs> you're, you're, you're correct. I mean, like, Roden's a terrific player. He really is a good player. But you need a facilitator. You need a guy that can go make a play, not only for himself, for others. You need a guy that can open up the floor with his ability to make shots, which opens up driving lanes. You need a guy that understands time and score. And I love Kale. I love how hard he plays. And I love Roden. And I love Yetin and his, his energy. And I love Samuel. And I love the bigs. But you need one guy that's going to bring it all together, who's going to be an extension of Coach Willard, who's going to be able to, in a short clock, you know, get downhill, finish, middle game, pull up, go under, knock it down. Defense rotates, pitch it out. And they don't have that guy right now. And Kadari had that great game against UConn, if I'm not mistaken, where he backed everyone down and, you know, and scored. 
but he you can't count on him. And you know, you need consistency at that position, and they just haven't gotten it with you know Bryce Aiken out. You know, Danny Hurley's probably saying, sure, Kaderi Richmond scores 27 against us, and yet, you know, he can't get it together. 18 turnovers in his last three games, coach. What do you see from his game? He's a Brooklyn kid. He's a New York City point guard. Shouldn't he be, shouldn't that ball be on his hand like a yo-yo? And yet he's very loose with it. Well, Joe Gerard beat him out for a reason. You know, I mean, decision-making. I mean, they, they, everyone, like, look, I, I'm a New Yorker, and, I, and I, I'm a big believer in New York guards. But, you know, here's the deal is when you go up to another level, it's like when guys go, oh, man, he was great in EYBL. He was great in the, you know, Adidas Scotland. That's great. But now there's game plans. People deciding what they're going to give, what they're going to take away. They're going to force you to your weaknesses. They're going to make you do things you don't want to do. There's a big difference. So Kadari Richmond, yeah, you know what? He's got good size. He can see over the defense. He's fairly creative. But his decision-making wasn't good at Syracuse, and, and it hasn't been good since he's, you know, Aiken's been out. I mean, he's a risk-reward player. That, does, that has limited range, uh, that basically is a back-down isolation player, uh, but but not a great shot maker. So he's got a lot of holes in his game. I and mean, it's just, just the way it is. And it's impacted everyone else. So how does a team like Seton Hall look so good? Chris Beard calls them, you know, one of 12 teams that can contend for a national championship in December. And now January comes uh, it's documented that this team goes through what's been dubbed the January swoon and, and somehow picks it up in February. How does this happen to young men who are 18 and 22 years old consistently at this program? I don't think it's consistently. I think you lose a player. You lost, you know, you lost Powell one year. You lost, you know, Aiken one year. I mean, you know, like it's, this is a real simple, this is not a very hard equation. We just spent five minutes talking about what Bryce Aiken means to the team. You take him away from that team, and, and th these are the facts. They're pitching it all over the place, and they don't have a shot maker. How many guys do they have that can make a three? Uh, well, if you don't have guys who can make a three, then zero. All, all right, it, it takes away all driving lanes. So, I mean, Kevin's got to play hard. I mean, they just they can't close out a game. I mean, it's just the way it is. Yeah, you know, this is the same team that beat – you know, beat Michigan and, and, and you know, beat Rutgers and, you know, it's had good wins, but it's not the month of the year. I mean, that's, you know, it's like, well, Andy Reid, he really, you know, he, he, you know, he can't win a big game. He got to like nine conference championships. So yeah, he can't win a big game. What about all those games that got him to that conference championship? Kevin Willard can coach his tail off, uh, but there are certain things out of your control. You control your controllables. You can't control when key pieces go out just the way it is. You're right. Without in, in this day and age in college basketball, without that floor general, without that, you know, James Akinjo or who, whoever it might be, you know, facilitating, they, they can really make a coach look good. Uh, excellent points, coach. All right. UConn. I love them. You love them. Right now they're in third place in the Big East. They've, they've won five games in a row. They've beaten the teams they have to beat. Are they the most complete team, you know, from size to uh, experience to guard to coaching in the Big East. Yeah, I mean, the, you you put them. Uh, first of all, the league is old. You know, Xavier's old, UConn's old, Villanova's old. You know, Marquette is old. I mean, the, the league is old. Uh, but I love their depth. I love their length. I love how tough they are. I love how competitive they are. Uh, 
I love what Danny does with him offensively when he moves him around. Now, you know, the big concern for them is backup point guard. Gaffney's got to be better. He's got to be more consistent. I mean, just plain and simple. Uh, you know, if RJ gets worn down or RJ comes out, he, Gaffney needs to give him better minutes. Um, you know, they have versatility defensively. They've got a unique inside scorer that wants to be an inside scorer that rebounds the ball, which is hard to find. I mean, let's face it, it's hard to find. You know, all, the, all these big guys want to step out. He wants to just get on the block and dominate the paint, which is really important. Uh, Tyrus Martin can guard anyone uh, and take him out, uh, which is really important, and make big shots. He's not afraid to take and make big shots. You can bring a guy like Polly off the bench. You can bring a guy like Hawkins off the bench. You can bring a cook a cock off the bench. And they all bring something unique uh, to the team. Uh I think I like, I mean, I, uh, Danny's a dear friend. I talked to him a lot. I mean, I like, I like that he likes his team. I like that he's excited to be in the gym every day. I like that these guys, you know, buy into their, their roles and, and, and what they do. And they, they want to be coached hard. They want to be demanded. They want an expectation. They want to, they want to do something special. I mean, you, you know, the greatest thing that ever happened to UConn was going back into the big East because it's a vehicle. I mean, uh, in terms of recruiting, look at the makeup of the roster. The makeup of the roster is a reflection of being back in the Big East because these kids that they're recruiting didn't want to go to Tulane. They didn't want to go to East Carolina. They didn't want to go to, uh, you know, within that league, which is obviously falling apart right now to some extent. So, uh, look, they've got size, athleticism, length, competitive experience. RJ's playing at a very, very high level. Sunogo's one of the best post players in all of college basketball. Tyrese Martin is as physical a, a player as, as there is with versatility and shot making. They've got a, a depth that complements their team. But the only if, if I had to create an if, would be is are they deep enough at the point guard? Right. And R.J. Cole did get into foul trouble against Seton Hall, and he was not available to finish that overtime. And I think that made a difference. Uh, in the last couple of possessions of the game, not having R.J. Cole in there. Excellent point. All right, UConn, Seton Hall, St. John's. If Marquette and probably Providence are the biggest surprises in the Big East, safe to say St. John's is the biggest disappointment, Coach? You know, I don't, I, I don't go disappointment, not disappointment. They're not a complete team. I mean, that's really – look, St. John's gets extra possessions by getting to the glass and turning you over, but they give up as many possessions. They don't rebound the defensive end because they're just not physical enough or big enough up front. You know, Posh, they, they're another team that struggles making shots. Well, let, let's face it. I mean, you know, Posh is explosive. He plays hard. He gets in the lane. Usu is they, – they have, they have so many like pieces. I'm not sure they have pieces that make a complete team yet. Like, if you're going to have a guy like Poston, you know what you need? You need shot makers. You know, I think Julian Campani, I think he's one of the, I think he's, I think he's the first round draft choice, but there's so much on his shoulders because so those other pieces are so limited. They, you know, they're downhill drivers, they're attack the basket, they're up and underneath you. And that's all great. But again, I call game playing. You play in the Big East, you're playing against good guards. You're not going to turn it over as much. That's number one. Number two is, if you can't rebound the ball on the defensive end, then you're giving your opponent extra possessions. Uh, people are going to defend you in relation to your strengths and weaknesses. And their weaknesses, obviously, is they're a downhill driving team. So you got to keep them in front and not get splits. But you can short close on most of those guys so you can give extra help. So if you take care of the basketball uh, and you take away splits, they're going to have a hard time. And that's, you know, that's basically what happened. And 
you know, I just think they have so many like pieces. Uh, there's, you know, the, the makeup of their team, um, pieces, the pieces fit in terms of style of play, but the pieces don't fit in terms of big picture, uh, winning the games you need to win. Like, you know, I wrote, you know, wrote down, you know, who, who have they beat? What, what are their best wins? And, and I think that's, that's the problem for St. John's right now. I mean, beaten home. that's it. One quad, see, one win. Yeah. So, I mean, so they've got, you know, they've been, you know, the loss to Pitt obviously was not a, was not a good loss. I and mean, Pitt's 195. The next best win is Monmouth non-conference. So, so, there are games ahead, though, Coach. I, I guess if you're a glasses half full type of guy, there are games ahead beginning with tonight. And I don't know if you noticed this, but they're playing Providence tonight, who's right now they're the best. You can make a case they're the best team in the Big East. And they yet, close out games. Yes. It's amazing how you talk about taking on the personality of your coach and, and just the lifestyle in that blue-collar city. How is St. John's – do you look at lines, Coach? How is St. John's favored by three and a half points in this game? It, it, it doesn't make sense. Something's fishy there. I don't know. It was fishy. It's just, I mean, the Providence's team has struggles to score as well. You know, as good as Providence is, they struggle to score. Providence, another experienced team. You know, you got, you know, obviously Watson and Hartschler and, and Reeves and, uh, you know, they're a tough physical team. But, I mean, like, they're also walking a tightrope. Because if you look at their during these wins and, and they find a way to close out games, I mean, they've been absolutely terrific in the last five minutes of games. You know, maybe, you know, they do turn it over a little bit. Maybe they get beat on the glass a little bit. Maybe, you know, St. John's gets to the line against them, gets someone foul. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm not a gambler. Uh, I do know a lot about basketball. And yes, you do. The, the way St. John's plays downhill, you know, the one thing that Providence doesn't have is great depth especially in the backcourt. So if someone gets in foul trouble, then all of a sudden they're a different basketball team. And St. John's does have the ability to get in foul trouble. So uh, I think it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, all of a sudden Providence has become a big game in everyone's schedule. And you're right. The, the team takes on Eddie's personality. The team has also really, really got a toughness about him. You know, Bottom is good. Watson's good. Reeves is good. I mean, they you know, and they've got fourth and fifth-year seniors. But – they're going to have to make some shots, uh, you know, I mean, because they've walked a very, very tight rope. Hey, it's all about making shots, right, and making plays in crunch time. And, and right now they're, they do that as well as any team in the country. All right, Coach, great stuff on the Big East. Let's switch to Rutgers and the Big Ten. Here's a team that, boy, they had some brutal non-conference losses, right? DePaul, Lafayette, UMass, all three of those teams – at or near the bottom of their conference. Fans were asking for Peichel's head. They yeah, Go to the NCAA out. tournament, ask him for his head. That makes a lot of sense. Go another 20 years or 30 years or 40 years without getting the NCAA tournament. Yeah, okay, sure. It, it's, it's a shame, but yet, you know, fans, they have short memory. And, and it's a good thing that Steve Peichel sticks to what he does. He doesn't bring in these, you know, glitzy players. He does it with one, two, three-star kids. And, and this team still fights. They still, you know, take on Steve Peichel's personality. Down 11 on the road to Nebraska. They come back and win without their best player, Ron Harper Jr. or Geo Baker, doing anything. How does this team continue to survive in the rugged Big Ten? And you look up, and they are 13-8 uh, and, and 7-4 and and in conference play. Oh, so yeah, it's real simple. I mean, look uh... – 
they defend, they rebound, they believe in each other. They've got obviously, you know, Ron Harper's a special player. Didn't play great last night, but I mean, when you beat the you know the people they beat and the big wins that they've had, you know, the Michigans, the Clemsons, the Purdue's, Ron Harper's been pretty good. <laughs> you know, Geo Baker's not afraid of the moment, uh, which I think is really really important. Uh, you know, I think uh, Paul McKay has a great feel. I just like you talk about feel. I think he's just got a great feel. I mean, you know, he's a good connector. Uh, and he finds ways to kind of bring them together. But, I, you know, I think the biggest thing is that they defend and rebound, and that's what they're going to do. And, you know, everyone gets caught up in, you know, the stars that they recruit. I don't like – I don't give a crap about what a kid is rated. As a coach, you see a guy play, if you think he can play, it doesn't – you know, like, look, you know, like, who cares what someone else thinks? It's whether he can fit into your system. Ron Harper was a three-star player. He's going to end up getting drafted. I mean, you know, like it, it, everyone gets so caught up in a number. I can tell you there are a lot of five-star t- players that aren't winning players. There are a lot of five-star guys that people jump over because they're not good teammates. They don't understand how to work hard. They don't understand how to play with other good players. They don't want to – they have one foot in and one foot out. And there are a lot of them that are great players. But player development, trust – getting guys to play hard, getting guys to believe, having a system that fits their players, finding pieces that fit, and getting to the next play. We always tell players to get to the next play. Steve Peichel got off to a slow start, get to the next play, continue to coach his team, continue to believe in what he was doing, understands the things that are important to him, help you win, and that's exactly what's happened. You know, the thing I went and watched Rutgers practice this year, and I think the greatest thing is what Steve told me, I'm going to coach my team. It's plain and simple. I'm going to coach my team. And I'm going to coach guys that are here and I'm going to get guys that are here to believe in each other, trust each other, work every day. And look, they're finally getting up to speed. They, they, they finally got into the practice facility. That's going to help them in recruiting, uh, but it's not going to change who they are. They're going to continue to evaluate and understand who can play for the head coach. The whole key to recruiting is who can play for the head coach and who can help you win. And, and that's really what it comes down to. And uh, you know, I think that, uh, Look, I'm a big Steve Peichel fan. Uh, you know, watching his, him practice, watching him interact with his team, watching their their buy-in. I mean, he got Rutgers to the NCAA tournament. That place was so far down, it was ridiculous. And what he was able to do is is pretty remarkable. I'm with you 100%. He should get a lifetime contract uh, because they brought in countless amounts of coach who was gonna, were going to be the next guy to do it. And yet he does it his way. He had the success at Stony Brook. He is a Jim Calhoun disciple. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about him. So how do you how do you look at the next month for Rutgers? Might be one of the toughest schedules in all of college basketball. Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin twice, at Purdue, at Michigan, Illinois. And tonight, that rugged slate begins with a game at Northwestern. Coach, what do you think of that matchup? Northwestern's one of the best teams in the country with the bad you know, you got Odis, you got Boo Booey, you know, you've got Nance, uh, you know, they, you, they, they play fast. Their guard play is solid. Now, Odis has not been good since he's been back, uh, but they are a dangerous, dangerous team. Uh, again, see what they did to Michigan State. So, uh, yeah, that's a big game. I mean, here's the, the great thing, you know, just like playing in the Big East, the great thing about playing in the, you know, the Big Ten is you have opportunities. You can't have a bad loss. Just the way it is, you got to make sure you beat, you know, and and Nebraska, you you know, and and Northwestern's a good team, but you got to find a way to beat them. And then you got to just 
look, you know, I, I, I joke when I coached in the Big East that one year when I was at Virginia Tech, you, know, you went to, you know, to the rack and they were a different team and it was a different environment. I mean, I, I played my first, one of my first road East, uh, Big East games at, at the rack. I had my college roommates with me. I had my aunts, my uncles, friends. I had like 40 tickets. We scored the first four points of the game. They scored the next 34. <laughs> true story. <laughs> true story. And they like my college room. I, I, I didn't want to even leave the locker room. I, I asked her manager, like, tell me when everyone's gone. And everyone was gone. I thought I walk out of the locker room and all of a sudden my college roommate was a judge in Jersey. Jay Jorgensen comes walking around the corner. He goes, Hey, Green, you're really good at this coaching thing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but then we beat him in Blacksburg and then we beat him in Biggie's tournament. So, I mean, but playing at Rutgers is, you know, it's a, it's a tough place, not a great place that's done as good as you can with it in terms of trying to spruce it up. Uh, that's probably the next project on the horizon for Rutgers is, is either redoing that or building a new facility, but the practice facility is nice. That little campus community area around the practice facility is terrific. And Steve's done a great job. Yeah, just just ask Purdue, just ask Iowa, just ask a, a slew of other teams how hard it is to win there. Uh, Coach, great stuff on Rutgers. Let's talk lastly about Iona and and what a story. Rick Patino again in the spotlight wins his 800th game over the weekend, and and now he's saying, "Hey, I want to be here for a thousand wins." What do you believe him when he says that? I mean, look. We're- he want, might want to be there for a thousand wins, but I mean, when you're as good as what you do at, you know, as he is, you know, who knows, there could be opportunities, whether it's NBA or whether it's, you know, somewhere else, uh, you know, and look, Rick, Rick is Rick. He's, there's only one of a kind. Uh, you know, I, I say that he coaches his team and beats you. He coaches your team and beats you. Uh, he gets guys to play so hard. Um, he gets guys to compete at a, at a high level. Uh, he gets guys to be unselfish. He gets guys to improve. I mean, look at, look at uh, Joyer and Jolly and, you know, Gene Louis and, and Selinski. I mean, they've got so many different guys. Uh, and Tom Abdomarco's done a good job helping them recruit and evaluate and get, get good players. But, I mean, I look at the depth of their team. And, you know, they have obviously the great win against Alabama. They have tough loss. St. Louis is a good team. The Belmont team is a good team. You know, but uh, they're, you know, they're on a roll and uh, it's not as much the pressure as more switching one through five and a half court. It's more playing downhill. It's more another team. The pieces fit. The pieces really fit well. Uh, they got drivers. They got spot up guys. They can invert their offense with bigs. Uh, they're extremely unselfish. Um, so, I mean, I think it's uh it's good. Now, how bad is it? Like, you know, he, you know, he lives on Wingfoot and uh, drives, you know, five miles to Iona and uh, he gets to coach. And, you know, one thing, if you know, Rick, that's what he wants to do. He wants to get to coach. At some point, right. At some point, you know, you've been, you've been with the Knicks, the Celtics, Kentucky and Louisville. You're talking about the, the giants and, and uh, great franchises in their sports history. What's so bad about, uh, living in in New York and and being able to play golf and still coach and do what you do, I I agree. But you never know what's in a man's heart, Coach. Uh, this team is trying to make history in the MAC. They're trying to become the first MAC team since those great LaSalle teams with Lionel Simmons in 1990 to go undefeated in the MAC. And if they do, there's a little talk that if they don't win the conference tournament, maybe the MAC gets two teams in. What do you think about that scenario? If they run the table with their Alabama win, uh, I think they'd have a shot. They got a Harvard win, an Alabama win. They've got some other good wins. Um, 
Yeah, I think they'd, they'd be in, uh, have an opportunity. I don't know exactly what their net is right now. Uh, uh, the but, net, I mean, as of today, coach, the net is 54. Yeah, so if they run the table, it's going to improve. There's no doubt about that. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see that happening. Uh, you know, that Alabama, you, you know, you root for Alabama to beat Auburn tonight. <laughs> I mean, you know, Alabama had a great win, you know, against Baylor the other day, you know. Those things, those things matter. Belmont could end up winning their conference tournament, although they're not playing as well as they had been. But they got to get Nick Lizlitsky and and um, uh, Grayson Murphy, who's really good. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, you know, can they sweep? I mean, obviously, Mammoth's going to have a say in that. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they played some close games, but you know, they've got they've got the best roster in the league. It's not even close. They've got the best coach in the league. Not, nothing against any of the coaches, you know. Whether you know, um, they've got tremendous ownership because you know you're not hiring Rick Pitino unless you're going to give him resources, because that would be a, that would be an absolute disaster. So I could see him getting that large bid, but I, I think that Rick's goal is to you know go and win the tournament. But this, you know, in tournament play. I was in Long Beach State. There's a fine line. I mean, we won our league, the Big West, one year by, I don't know, four or five games. We lost the conference tournament. You know, it becomes suffocating, the expectation. What happens to those top seeds? I think you just said it, right? These top seeds that do so well, and and yet in a one-game scenario, I guess that's what makes it so challenging and so great for, you know, the other seeds in the conference. Too much pressure on the number one seeds in these conference tournaments? It's the reality. I mean, you play in a one bid league. That's the reality of it. It's it's not too much pressure. It's you know you deal with it. Go win. It's 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 not a tournament. It's one game, and that's why people play in MTEs, and that's why you know so that you can under you know learn how to play back to back games. But no, it's yeah, it's the pressure, sure. But you know you're you know you're not you're not in the ACC. You're not in the SEC. You're not in the Big Ten. You're not in the Big Twelve. You're not in the Pack. You're not in the Big East. You've got to build your resume. That's why the ACC, you know, is not going to get as many teams. If, you, if your league doesn't do its work early, it's like defending the post. If you don't do your work early in the post, you're dead. If you don't, as a league, as a league, if you don't do your work early, then, you know, it's hard to get a bunch of teams in turn. That's just the way it is. Coach, I, I want to take you back to your playing days at, at Fairleigh Dickinson. You grew up on Long Island, JFK High School, and played your college basketball at Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, how did that help mold you into the coach and, and the man you are today? Harvard on the Hackensack. That's what we call <laughs> it. Uh, well, I picked Fairleigh Dickinson because of the coach, Alabama, who was one of the great teachers of man-to-man defense in the history of college basketball, ball you man. And uh, he's right there with Coach Iba uh, at, at the forefront of that. Uh, and that's why I picked Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, it wasn't, you know, not that free. It was a couple, you know, hour and a half or so. And, Played a great non-conference schedule, great, great schedule. We were weren't in a conference back then. Now they have uh, the Northeast Conference. Uh, we played all our games in Rutherford. That was before the new facility was built. But uh, we also had pictures of that building. But we never played in it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. I mean, I, I have a group of, of teammates that now we are a nonprofit called Teammates for Life, uh, which we help raise money uh, for basically – Former, former athletes or teammates or uh, people that we know that are battling uh, health issues. And we raise a significant amount of money, whether it's sending a, a gift basket or sending a meal or helping pay for a funeral or, or helping pay for uh, education for, for someone in their family that you know, maybe they don't have, at the, because of their medical situations, they don't have the ability to do. So 
it was great. I mean, I have a great group of teammates that I went to school with. We had incredible shared experiences. Uh, you know, it, Coach Lababo used to always say when I had my own team, you know, I realized the old man isn't that crazy, and he was correct. A lot of things that I learned there, uh, especially defensively, I used, you know, for my my career in coaching. Uh, and uh, it was a great experience. It was a great experience. Those Fairleigh Dickinson teams did not back down from anyone, Coach. They had a great reputation playing anyone, anywhere, anytime. I know you knocked off Georgia while you were there. Would you say that was the biggest win for you while you were a player at Fairleigh Dickinson? Yeah, that was a great game. Uh, I took a charge on a guy named Jack Dorsey, who was a very good player in the middle of the floor. Uh, I remember Don DeVoe, a great coach. Uh, at the time he was at Tennessee, he was scouting the game. That's when you could live scout. So Jack Dorsey ran me over, and I'm on the ground kind of groggy, taking the charge. And Coach Lababa runs out. He's grabbing my jersey and telling me what a great charge this is. From, from what my teammates said, my head was like, bouncing off the ground and I was like half out of it but uh yeah that was a, that was a, that was a you know to go to the SEC Super Bowl and, and and win a game that was uh that was a pretty big thing for us but uh you know the rivalry games you know back then you know just even have a chance to play Iona you know those different you know the local schools those 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 games were big we played in Rutgers holiday tournament back then uh you know that was a big opportunity for us I mean they beat us pretty good that's when Nikki Gallus was there I had to guard him that was not a good experience for me but uh but it was you know look I, I was very fortunate to get a scholarship had a great experience still very close to my teammates uh and uh you know some of my former coaches so it's it, it was a, it was a great place to be so if anyone wants to uh donate to your charity or help out what is it again? teammates for life teammates for life we have a website teammates for life and uh like i said it's uh my, my roommate jay jorgensen who was brilliant wrote a book that we were using proceeds from that to uh, you know, raise money, and we've done fairly well with that. Uh, it's kind of stories from our experiences or other people's experience through sport, life's lessons, basically. Uh, and uh, you know, it's a, it's something that we feel you know it's a good thing. But it, you know, it starts not just with us; it's from the players before us in terms of like guys like Lee Shulman, who's a great player, Charlie Dickinson, and uh, you know Ed Sergan, and the, the, you know, there's a there's a great fraternity of 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 people that played there that we've stuck together and uh, COVID's made it more difficult. We used to have a, and I, I, I couldn't participate when I was coaching, but since I've been out a dinner uh, in New Jersey over the holidays where, you know, we'd have, you know, 50, 60 people together that all played and I was to tell stories and have a good time. And uh, COVID's kind of impacted that to some extent, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good organization. I always say that every school in the country should have a teammates for life. Should be a national organization, and uh, you know, not just in our sport, but you know, maybe the whole institution. Uh, that's a charity to help people that you know made sacrifices at that school in athletics, maybe hit on hard times uh, to try to help you know, kind of ha- help them and their families uh, through difficult times. Amen to that. Fantastic stuff, Coach. Before I let you go, last thing. Uh, I know we can always catch you on ESPN's College Game Day. You were in Kansas, uh, which was quite an atmosphere last Saturday. And how about the podcast, Bald Men on Campus? Love the name. You, LaFonso Ellis, Jay Billis. Uh, how's that going? I know people can listen to you on the podcast as well. Yeah, we have uh, Bald Men on Campus, the podcast, and Bald Men on Campus on the ACC Network, the television show. 
but yeah, it's fun. You know, we have, you know, we have had great guests, whether it's you know Barkley or Ben Gundy or coaches and uh, we can agree to disagree. Uh, that's Jay Billis and I, we most times agree to disagree. Uh, but uh, we have great guests and, uh, and just a free flowing conversation on, you know, issues in the, in the game. Fantastic. Listen, Billis went to Duke. And Lafonso Ellis went to Notre Dame. You went to uh, Harvard on the Hackensack. Harvard on the Hackensack. Exactly. Fonz's jersey is hanging in the rafters. He's in the circle, <laughs> the ring of honor, and that's pretty cool. Fantastic stuff. Bill's his jersey is hanging in Coach Gay's bathroom. It's terrible. Ouch. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. Coach Seth Greenberg, thank you so much for your time and, and your wisdom and your knowledge. And uh, it's a pleasure having you on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. All right, Seth Greenberg, man, is there a better college basketball analyst out there? He's one of the best, if not the best. Why? Because not only does he know the game, he sees it, but he explains it as well as anyone in the business. He could coach and he can now talk and analyze the game. That was a lot of fun. And the games tonight are going to be even more fun. We've got Seton Hall, Georgetown, St. John's Providence, UConn Creighton, Rutgers Northwestern. Enjoy the games, everybody. We will catch you next time right here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. So long.